You're live with The App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We are Canada's number one uh, mobile and app tech radio show. And we've got a great program for you today. We'll be talking about the RiveCan app. The app that everyone loves to hate. It's uh, not necessary anymore when you're traveling here into Canada. How much did it cost? Well, seems to be $54 million, John. That's That's a lot of money. It sure is. A lot of people are up in arms about how much that costs. Uh, a lot of tech experts are saying it could have been done for a lot less. We'll also be talking about being tracked when working from home. Uh, in Ontario, employee, employers will have to disclose uh, if uh, you're being tracked uh, while uh, working. Uh, but uh, this is going to become a thing, I think, John. Uh, more and more of us are working from home a few days uh, a week. So I guess some employers are concerned about the overall productivity of their employee, employees. How would you feel about being tracked? Well, I just assume you're tracking me all the time. <laughs> I just have an Apple AirTag planted somewhere in your car. It's okay. I've taught my cat to use my mouse really well. <laughs> Let's get to some of the, uh, the tech and app news here, uh, John. Uh, this was kind of a fun one. Uh, the iPhone 14, it's... Uh, it's got a new feature in uh, the new iPhone 14s uh, called crash detection. So they've uh, really upped the technology as far as the gyroscopes and, and everything inside the phone to detect if you are in a serious uh, motor vehicle accident. But John, it, it seems that uh, some of these iPhone 14s are calling 911 from uh, people having them on their, on their body when they're on a roller coaster. Which, you know, kind of makes sense because that's really what your body does when you're in a car accident. <laughs> Totally. I, I want to know these roller coasters that uh, they're on. Uh, but there is one in Cincinnati uh, called the Cincinnati King Island Amusement Park. And apparently this is not just a one-off. It's happened uh, many times. Yeah, I imagine every iPhone 14 device and also the Apple Watch. The new Apple Watch also has that feature, but you still need to have your, your, uh, your phone with you. So you're probably getting double notification that you've been in an accident. Well, it, it's interesting, John, because, um, you know, Apple obviously tested this out. I forget if it was millions or billions of hours <laughs> of, you know, people using this uh, feature, but I guess they were thwarted by a roller coaster in the end. Yeah. That... <laughs> I'm just trying to think, is there anything else other than a roller coaster that would simulate those kinds of physics and uh, movements that, uh, you know... I guess many of those, um, you know, amusement park rides could probably <laughs> do something yeah. similar. But I guess with the roller coaster, you've actually got some forward motion going, right? So yeah. it it's it feels like you're you're moving in some type of vehicle, and then you know all those sudden kind of twists and, and and turns. Anyway, <laughs> you think they'd be able to figure it out though? Because chances are you're not probably driving as fast as a roller coaster is going. Oh yeah, you never know. Some of those roller coasters get going pretty fast, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll see if they uh, have a software update <laughs> for that. Uh, this is interesting. Uh, British Columbia is permanently capping fees charged by food delivery companies, and you know we've we've talked about this uh, a lot, uh, John. Uh, you know, like the DoorDashes, Skip the Dishes, Uber Eats, and and just how much it costs to actually get you know, some of this food delivered and all the different fees uh, involved. Um, but it looks like the province originally put a 20% cap in place during the pandemic and now will continue the policy permanently. Yeah, which is good for those businesses. 
I just wonder. Yeah. So the the twenty percent cap combines the fifteen percent cap on food and a five percent cap on additional fees. Yeah, which I mean, it still feels excessive because the delivery service isn't doing that much work, and typically people would be tipping the drivers, so they're taking quite a lot. You know, this is a percentage of the full uh, order, right? So you know, if you're ordering you know dinner for f- your family or something, like that, that can be a lot of money. It, but it, it's it's interesting, John, and and we've spoke about this as well. None of these delivery companies are making money; they're losing tens of millions if not hundreds of millions of dollars annually like this isn't it's not a viable business no it's, it doesn't seem to be does it no <laughs> they're probably not happy that they're being capped at 20 percent. do you know what i mean because <laughs> no, they probably want to charge 50 if they could yeah and it kind of almost works out to that in some cases with all the different fees that are attached uh, to it so uh, it'll be interesting to see if other provinces uh, states uh, follow uh, along uh, this is a fun story john snapchat a popular social media messaging app they've got some new augmented reality lenses that lets you try on and buy halloween costumes i think this is a great use for augmented reality because you don't have to go to the store you can sort of figure out what you want to do and then you can actually see how it's going to look on you before you even get it isn't that crazy i think it's a it's it's a one of the better uses for augmented reality uh, because the other fun thing too is you don't even have to go to a Halloween party. You can just take photos wearing this fake costume and send it to your <laughs> friends like you were at a party. I wonder how real it looks though. It, they, uh, from the photos I've seen so far, they do look pretty good. Yeah, I think it depends on the lighting and the, you know, how good your camera is on your phone, that type of thing. But uh, they look pretty good. Uh, moving on to another uh, social. I don't know if it's a messaging or sharing app. Uh, it's called Be Real. Did you see the Saturday Saturday Night Lights live skit on it? Yeah, that was probably one of the best things to ever happen to Be Real. Yeah. So, John, explain how this works. You know, I'm I'm on it. I don't use it all the time, and I can see why uh, daily use isn't really a big thing for this. But you know, the the idea behind it is that uh, Instagram and other uh, social media networks are very curated. People spend a lot of time and effort making sure they have the perfect photo of whatever they're doing. What Be Real does that's different is you only are able to upload one photo a day. And the sort of interesting hook is that you don't know when that photo is going to be requested of you. You can only do it once and everybody gets this notification and you have two minutes to upload your photo. The idea behind it is that it's more authentic. You're not um, staging these photos, although a lot of people myself included, certainly do stage my photos sometimes. And uh, I know Robin and I have been trying to one-up each other every time we do uh, uh, a B-Reel. But the idea behind it is that you're supposed to be more authentic. And the app itself is kind of unique in the sense that it uses the front and the back camera at the same time. So you can't hide stuff behind the camera anymore because it's basically shooting your face as well as your environment wherever you're looking at. I have to be honest, John, at first it was kind of fun, but then I started finding that, because uh, it's random when it comes up, like when it wants you to take the picture. It during the 7 o'clock in the morning or 8 o'clock at night. Yeah. I, I found that, like, <laughs> more often than not, I was kind of sitting in the same <laughs> the same place, like yeah. like a loser. <laughs> so I just, yeah. I stopped doing it. In a place, or you're in a place where you can't take a photo. Like, my, my girlfriend's a teacher and she can't, take a photo during class 
No. And so she just stopped doing it. Yeah, I just don't know how big this can ever become. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just, I mean, do you follow, do you do it every day? No, no. I do it when I'm somewhere interesting. Sitting, you know, on my couch working or at my desk or whatever. No, because it's boring. Um, I do follow a few other people that are interesting and they tend to be those places. But again, I don't know how curated that is. Um, But I only do it, you know, when I'm thinking about it, you know, and it's front of mind. It's not something I feel like I have to do, which is kind of nice, actually, because a lot of times if you're somewhere, you know, interesting, you got to do it all for the gram. So you're staging photos and arranging food on the table, that kind of stuff. Yeah, but okay, but this is supposed to be like be real. But like you're saying, you're staging stuff now. Well, just because I'm bored of the concept. Yeah. So they've had 53 million downloads. But again, they have a challenge with people using this on a daily basis which I totally get. So right. I don't, but it's interesting because both TikTok and Instagram have copied their functionality and, and made that part of their, 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 their apps as well. So, you know, there's something there, but again, you don't have the ability to monetize be real. There's no advertising currently. There's a lot of appealing things in there, but you kind of wonder how long is that going to last? That is the question. Okay, you are tuned in to the App Show. We're going to have to take a break when we come back. So much to talk about. Do you like being tracked when you're working from home? Well, uh, one province is uh, making employers tell you if you are or not. Uh, but coming up, we're going to talk about the ArriveCan app. It costs $54 million. One company said they could have done it for hundreds of thousands. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the app show. Mike and John here. Time to talk ArriveCan, that app that everyone seemed to hate. Uh, basically, if you were coming back into Canada, whether you were a citizen or a visitor, it was an app that you had to have loaded on your smartphone and you had to fill it out, basically telling it things uh, like COVID symptoms uh, uh, and uh, you know when you're entering the country and, and where. Uh, it looked like they were trying to expand the functionality uh, for a while, but now it's basically not mandatory uh, anymore. A lot of uh, uh, border uh, guards and, and people said it actually deterred people from visiting Canada because they just didn't want uh, the hassle. Well, they don't have to worry about that anymore. But now we uh, we have the bill, John, $54 million. And it looked like one company, and I, I have to admire this company, uh, it's, I think they're called GS Strategies. They're part of it. They invoice for $45 million, John, and apparently have less than four employees. Wow. You know, obviously, those four employees didn't do it all, or maybe they could have, uh, but they subcontracted out a lot of the work. So $54 million. Recently, uh, Laser Technologies, say uh, a company, said that they were organizing an internal hackathon to see if their developers, their company developers, could recreate the ArriveCan app in a fraction of the time and money that the federal government spent on it. And so one of their developers, uh, his name was Dan, <laughs> he ended up getting the deed done in less than two days, John, two days. So I... I, I, have a, I have thoughts about this because yes. I've developed apps and I've also worked with the government and um, th- there's no question that $54 million is excessive, especially if one of those contractors charged the bulk of it uh, and they were outsourcing everything. 
the the challenge is here though um yeah there was a, ta- a hackathon to recreate an app that they basically already had a blueprint for yeah they could they could copy it they could copy it right yeah but i i, I can't i can't imagine how we got to that point with the internal politicking that would have happened within the government, not to mention the contractors that were trying to build the app and sort of the design by committee that would probably would have had to happen. Cause just think of all the different health organizations that would have had a, a say in this, the government regulators, that type of thing, the uh, border services people, it's gotta be a messy thing. And I, I'm not justifying the price at all, but I imagine it took a lot of time and effort to come to a consensus of what this app should be, let alone actually making it. The actually making it part probably wasn't that hard, but it's all the meetings that they would have had to deal with and all the different stakeholders that have a say in what this app should contain and how it should function, not to mention all the security that would be required for handling sensitive health information from all the Canadians that would be using it. Yeah, to your point, John, you're totally right. All the integrations, like, you know, when you fill that app out, when you hit the border, like when I hit the land border, like the border guard could already see in their computer that I had filled it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. that's that takes some work integrating all that. And, and to your point, again, the whole security aspect. Um, so, yeah, can you create that app? Yes. I, I'm sure you could create it very inexpensively and it looks like Dan did in two days, but it's... Um, it's all the planning, like what did the app have to do? You know, what departments did it touch or have to integrate with? There is a lot of, there's a lot of work that goes on, on with that. Is it $54 million worth? I don't know. That's the question. Yeah. That does definitely seem excessive to me. Um, But then the other thing you have to think about too, at the time this was being developed and, and again, I'm not justifying this or, you know, defending it at all, but, I'm just sort of trying to put some realistic cards on the table. They were developing this app when the entire world was shut down and they were trying to find a way to make it so that we could open it back up. So you're dealing with all kinds of remote work limitations, especially in the government, which, you know, uh, that must have been a huge challenge. I can't even imagine. And and just interfacing with the government and a lot of those people, you know, weren't (laughs) at work either. I know some of them are working from home. I can't even imagine like just the communication aspect of making that that happen. So um, I can see this thing definitely being millions of dollars. Um, I mean, but when you heard the price, John, fifty-four million, did that surprise you? How much in your mind do you think it should cost? Well, if you're if you know, you're just pulling numbers out of the air. Yeah, but anytime you you add the government to the pricing model, <laughs> jacks up their prices, right? Because they can, and they're and. In, think about the importance of this app. If they screwed this up or they had a, a leak of data of any kind, just think of the ramifications of that. So there was a lot of pressure to deliver a bulletproof app. I, I don't know if it actually has proven to be bulletproof. I don't know if there was any other problems with it other than its usage and the fact that some people were flagged to get quarantined when they weren't needed to and all these types of things. But, um, but at the end of the day, I think, yeah, I think it could have been a lot less. And, but this is not uncommon. We saw this before with the COVID alert app as well, where they spent tons of money on it. And it just seemed ridiculous that it would cost that much to develop an app when, you know, some of the biggest games and apps that are out there don't require that level of uh, cost to develop. 
Yeah, I think how much did the COVID alert app cost? Twenty million, and then most of the provinces didn't even end up using the damn thing. Right. So, but why did it cost twenty million? Again, I think it has to go back to that that whole integration and the all the different stakeholders that would have had a say in this, and it would have taken an inordinate amount of time normally, let alone in the COVID lockdown world that we were living in at the time when it was being developed, uh, to actually get this out the door. Well, this story is not going to go away anytime soon, and we'll uh, we'll follow up on it when we come back from the break. How would you like if your boss was tracking your every move on your computer while you worked from home? Well, in Ontario, they have to disclose that now. We'll tell you what that's all about and uh, what that means for employees. Listen to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike and John here. Well, like many Canadians, uh, we are working from home. We even do parts of the radio show from our our homes, uh, John. Uh, But... Now in Ontario, Ontario bosses now need to disclose the tracking of work from home employees. So there's software that uh, your boss can actually put on your devices, uh, smartphones, uh, and you know even more so laptops that can tell them basically what you're doing. Uh, some of these software tools even uh, will tell them how much keyboard or mouse activity uh, that's going on. And there's actually some hacks around that, John, that I've seen on the internet. Uh, people have uh, found other software or little mechanical tools to make it look like, you know, they're moving their mouse every few seconds. <laughs> yeah, I was going to mention that. I've seen a few TikToks about uh, how to keep your teams alive uh, when you're not in front of your computer. Well, it's it's happening more and more as far as the tracking is concerned, John. Like, I mean, even if you think of work environments, a lot of work environments have cameras all over them now, you know, especially since cameras like are so dirt cheap. Uh, if you're any type of delivery person, you're most likely being tracked via GPS. Uh, but, you know, again, how would you feel if, you know, there was some software on your laptop that basically could tell the boss everything you were doing? Well, the thing is, in, in some some industries, that's all we're already the case, right? A lot of times, especially like in enterprise situations, you're using a computer that's been given to you by the company that's using probably a VPN to connect to the company uh, um, servers, and everything you do in there is, is essentially logged. How accessible is that to the employer? That's depending on the tools that they're using. But essentially any kind of browsing history, anything you would do with that work laptop, I would just always assume someone has a record of it. Maybe not in real time. Maybe they have to do a report at the end of the month to see, well, how much time did John actually spend, you know, doing work versus, you know, on Facebook or something else, right? So uh, those tools have already existed. But I kind of like the idea that this actually forces employers to disclose the fact that these tools exist because not everyone is as tech savvy as you and I and they may not understand the implications of this because we've seen this before we've seen people get busted for doing stupid things on their work computers back years ago um, we we had a bunch of remote employees and we actually put software and we told the employees that this software was on their their laptops and John you'd still be surprised at the dumb stuff people would do like I can't even tell you some of the stuff <laughs> like it was it was it was crazy we actually stopped doing it doing it because it was just disturbing <laughs> disturbing <laughs> uh, but yeah to your point like yeah 
you know, if you are using any work tool like a laptop or computer, uh, and you know, even things like email, John, like your your work already has access to all of that. So you know, it might not be in real time, but you know, if they needed to check up on anything, they can access that. Well, I'm often surprised how many people use work computers to do things like find new work. So they're <laughs> applying for jobs and they're getting LinkedIn's and stuff like that on their work emails because they don't have another email. Like, this is why you get a free email account or you get you know something else that's external to your work stuff. So you're not locked into that and you're not giving your bosses a heads up that you're you're heading out the door soon well exactly so this um this new thing in ontario it uh, applies to businesses with 25 or more employees and they will have to require uh or inform workers uh that if there's any monitoring going on uh you know it's basically happening but it just it makes me laugh john what what about all those businesses that have less than 25 people you can, you can spy away on those poor employees without yeah. them knowing. Yeah, but to your point about having cameras in certain um, lines of business, I mean, we have security cameras in our office. So it can see people coming and going at least. Maybe it's not sitting over their shoulder while they're working on their computers, seeing what they're actually doing, but they're, they exist. And usually they're pretty obvious. People see them, but this is a different kind of thing because there's some really interesting tools that are available to employers that can track everything keystrokes every you know screenshots history of course yeah yeah but take screenshots sometimes even turn on the webcams in laptops without the user knowing yeah that's so you can see if they're actually there yeah you know we we have about 25 employees john and i mean obviously we have access to people's emails uh you know if they leave uh, or we need to get into them that really hasn't been the case really. Uh, but I just find if you just talk to your employees and <laughs> actually have, you know, good dialogue and, uh, you know, a relationship built on trust, it, it's not an issue. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it depends on the type of work that you're doing. And I imagine there's plenty of businesses where they have to hire people that maybe don't have the same level of, uh, ethics as the average employee would, but, um, you still have to sort of be diligent about that. And as a as an employee, you just need to use common sense and think about what you're doing on a work device. Well, exactly. And I guess that's the, the lesson here, isn't it, John? If you are using a work device, be it a smartphone, a tablet, or a laptop or desktop computer, that is the company's property. And if you're doing anything on there, um, and especially in the cloud world we live in, John, the, you know, your employer has access to all of that. Not only, you know, your emails, but your work files, everything, your browser history, everything. So don't, don't be stupid. Yeah. But that's an interesting point that we didn't really touch on earlier was the fact that this extends to things like smartphones. And, you know, a lot of people think, oh, well, it's fine. They don't have, you know, maybe my boss isn't smart enough to figure this out, but they don't have to, <laughs> they can hire someone that is. Yeah. Mo most companies of that size would have some IT support person or an IT outsource company that can get that information to them. So you make friends with the IT guy or girl. <laughs> so they can hide all the dumb stuff you've done, essentially. Can you just burn my browser history. Thank you. Yeah. So once again, don't do dumb stuff on your work devices. Like I, I would have a separate laptop or device if you're going to be doing your own personal things on it definitely and for the employers out there just talk to your employees you know let them know your expectations and even if you don't have 25 
people and, and you are monitoring them in some way, like let them know, like just have that open, honest dialogue with them so that everyone's kind of on the same level, same page and everything's transparent uh, as well. And same thing goes with the cameras. Like, you know, let your employees know if there's cameras in the workplace. Don't hide them. Yeah. The thing is, you shouldn't be hiring children. You don't need a nanny cam, right? Like, Exactly. Okay, we're going to have to take a break. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk ergonomics, like how to make your work environment more comfortable so you don't get injured. We're spending so much time in front of screens and devices. We're going to show you, uh, or talk about anyway, all the different types of keyboards, mice, uh, and, and even monitor arms that you can easily get to uh, make your life a little bit better. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. Time to talk ergonomics. Uh, it is Ergonomic uh, Awareness Month here in October. And it doesn't always sound like a, an exciting thing to talk about, but I think it's super important, especially now that we are working in different ways, uh, in, in many cases, hybrid at work and the office. And I think uh, a lot of people probably don't have the best setup. I mean, we're spending hours and hours in front of our screens. It is important to make sure that we have the right gear so that we don't basically injure or hurt ourselves. To help us understand some uh, ideas uh, that we can uh, walk away with here, we've got uh, Lisa Skydebor-Schuler. She is from Kensington. Thanks for joining us, Lisa. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, you guys have a lot of uh, accessories. I've been using your stuff for many years now. Love it. Uh, but I want to talk again about some of the ergonomic uh, gear that you uh, have that can make it easier on my, my neck, my eyes, and uh, my, my wrists. Uh, maybe start with uh, mobile. Uh, a lot of uh, us are uh, uh, working remotely, uh, whether that's at home, maybe in coffee shops uh, as well, uh, and from our laptops. How can we improve our experience there to start? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, certainly more and more people are working on the go without a permanent space, and so they have to be flexible in what they have to offer. So if you're thinking about the different areas of your body you need to protect, it is your neck. So having a laptop riser to raise your screen up to be nice eye-level position is a great starting point. But as soon as you put that laptop on that riser, you're no longer able to use the keyboard on it the way that it's angled. So you do need to include an external keyboard and mouse with that. Kensington has lots of great options to offer in that category, super lightweight, super portable, and really a no excuse mentality to have that comfortable setup, whether you are at the coffee shop, your dining room table, or in the office, but no permanent workspace. I just want to talk about the size and weight of, of this, right? Because if I'm uh, carrying my laptop around, I don't want to carry around another 10 pounds of, <laughs> of uh, risers and keyboards. Like, uh, how, how much weight is this going to add? Yeah, so if you think about adding the laptop riser, the keyboard, and the mouse all together, it's not even the weight of another laptop combined weight all together. And space is certainly important. I can tell you I'm um, in Toronto, only carry-on luggage, and it's no problem to be able to pack those items in my backpack just in a small pocket um, because of the portability, the lightweight uh, feeling of those products. But it really does make a huge difference. Do you know what I mean? Because, uh, you know, a lot of times I'm, I'm working at like a, a, a tabletop or a, a bar top. Uh, and having to kind of look down and, and crane my neck down to look at the screen, it takes a toll after a while. It does, yeah. An easy analogy for that, just so you know, viewers can picture that, is if you think of your spine as like a broom handle, so very small around, that's your spinal column. Then if you put your head, also known as the weight of a bowling ball, on the top of that, 
it's really, really hard to keep that balanced throughout the day. And as soon as that ba- that bowling ball goes off balance and your neck starts leaning forward, it's really hard to keep that posture solid throughout the day. So we are carrying around a lot of weight on our spine throughout the day if we don't take the effort um, of creating a comfortable workplace for us. And some of us, like John and I, have bigger bowling balls on top. <laughs> yes, <laughs> all different weights there. <laughs> Uh, so what if you have kind of more of a, a permanent uh, uh, setup? Uh, like, how can you make that better? Yeah, so I think with a permanent setup, I think one of the easiest things you can do is Kensington has really made monitor arms affordable. Clean up your desktop that you have. Get a monitor arm on that desk so that you can free up some space. It also gives you adjustability to be nice and eye level. And then you can start looking at other items on the desktop, like a ergonomic keyboard and mouse, or maybe an additional more permanent laptop riser um, or even a footrest underneath your desktop. I, I just want to start with a monitor arm because I I think when a lot of people hear monitor arm, they're thinking, oh, no, that's just too much for me to figure out how to actually, um, you know, assemble that uh, and then install it on, on my desk and expense that they're expensive as well. Yeah, so we've really tried to make them as affordable as possible. Now in the market, you're really looking at a monitor arm to be about the same price as what we would typically use in the past of a monitor riser or something you know that you would stick on your desktop, which takes up a lot more space. And speaking to the installation side of it, we want to make it as easy as possible for you um, to put that monitor arm on your desk. So we've made it a pre-installed C-clamp or a pre-installed mount that you literally would take it out of the package. There's no screws to install or anything like that um, to get it onto your desktop. And so it really takes the guesswork and a lot of the frustration out of the installation process. Uh, So moving on to, um, so you've got like permanent risers for laptops uh, as well. The one we talked about before was made out of plastic. So it's really super lightweight to to carry with you. Um, the, The permanent ones are more kind of like metal based ones, aren't they? Yeah, correct. We just uh, came out with recently, it's called the SmartView Organizing Laptop Riser, and that one is made out of metal and aluminum, so it's a much um, heavier construction for it, but it also has some added benefits when you are in that permanent workspace to have a headset hanger or a storage space for your dock or cable management that really allows still to have the adjustability for your laptop, but having everything be more organized on your desktop as well. And and finally, because we're doing so many zoom calls, like we're on a zoom call right now. Um, how do you make like the webcam more ergonomic, like, and you know, better placement when you're, when you're doing these? Yeah. So I think a great addition to look into is Kensington's professional video conferencing solutions. We have boom arms. So having the adjustable arm that you can actually move up and down with a webcam and even a ring light, if you want to go Um, to that level to have your face look the youngest possible, brightest possible way. Um, But having that on that adjustable arm is really ideal for people to have that webcam right down in you, uh, front and center. And then when you're done with the uh, Zoom call or whatever kind of video call you're on, you can push it out of the way and continue to be productive on your main screen. We're talking with Lisa Skedebor Schuler. She is from Kensington, all about some uh, some cool tech or accessories you can use, uh, whether you're mobile or uh, got more of a, a permanent officer or home setup to make it easier on your neck, uh, your arms, and and uh, uh, or your eyes uh, as well. Where can people find out more information, Lisa? Yeah, check out Kensington.com, and you'll find lots of great resources and products. 
Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with The App Show. Mike and John here. Don't forget to listen to our sister program. It's called Get Connected. It's been around more than 20 years now. It's Canada's number one tech radio program. Cover everything uh, from the latest uh, tech news stories, social media, smart home tech. And uh, this week's program, pretty interesting. Uh, We will be talking about all the latest announcements from Facebook Meta, all the new uh, Metaverse tools, virtual reality headsets uh, that are going to be coming out. We'll also be chatting about Microsoft. They've got some really cool new laptops and audio devices and even a new software tool that's going to integrate with PowerPoint that will let you create your own pictures and images just by typing the text in. So if you needed a picture of a boat sailing in a bay, you could just type that in and it will create it for you. You don't have to go hunting on Google or a stock image site. You don't have to use the crappy clip art. It'll just automatically make it in seconds for you. And we'll tell you all about it. Got to thank everyone that helps put this program together. Of course, John Beeler, my co-host and producer, and uh, Robin Kavanaugh back at the studio. We will see you again next week. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.